Terry, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, this is House of Ramirez, as y'all already know. Uh, post it up, chopping it up with Terry Walker. Terry Walker, you're doing your thing out here in Atlanta, you know, popping it off. Um, for a lot of our readers and a lot of our viewers that are not familiar with who Terry Walker is, can you give us a little small pitch as to who you are and what you do? Well, um, I'm part owner in a brand called Bonfire ATL which is basically a event curation brand. We throw an event every Sunday called Bonfire ATL, which is a culturally based event. We have um, independent artists performing, comedians. We have um, dancers sometimes. A lot of different local vendors come out and you know make money and support their families. We have over 30 employees and it's just a culturally based event and we also get headliners too. We had Kiki Palmer, T.I., B.O.B. Last night we had Pastor Troy. And it's each and every Sunday. It's been going on for the last seven years. Um, I've been the owner or one of the owners for about three years now. And, you know, we just trying to take the brand and not necessarily dilute it, but, you know, introduce it to the mainstream. I like to say that we're not getting mainstream. We're making the mainstream get coached. Exactly. You know, yeah, they come and they realize you don't have to pop bottles and stand on couches and pay $100 before you even walk in the door. You can literally spend $60 the whole entire night and have the best night of your life. Eat good, party good, drink good, you know, do what you want. Just BYOB so you can bring your own bottle. So, mm -hmm. And that's one of the things I do. I also own a nonprofit called Pay It Forward 247. And I do a lot of nonprofit work. We um, do a coat drive called Trapper. I mean, Jacket for Jackets every year. We, um, last year, we gave away 250 jackets to the homeless. It's an indie concert. And basically, and the admission is coat. All you got to do is bring a coat for the homeless. And um, you get you can come in and see your favorite artists perform. We also do jack, um, Trapper for Toys, which is um, a toy drive each and every year right around Christmas, but we about to start doing it monthly at Union EAV, which we are part owners of. And um, yeah, we gave away about six industrial garbage bags full of toys to the um, Children's Shelter of Atlanta last year. And, you know, I do a bunch of stuff. I do t-shirts, I do, I do all types of stuff, CBD, everything. You know, I'm a serial entrepreneur, I guess you could say. Yeah, and I love that. I really do appreciate the fact that you're out here in the community doing big things. You know, it's one thing to be a business owner, but in order for you to actually be a successful business owner, you need to acknowledge where you come from and give back in, in the community that you're in, you know, and I just, I want to applaud you for that. A lot of us, we get so main focused on you know, the goals that we have, our business and, and, and charts and everything that you have going on, some of us do forget to give back to the community, you know, and and I can honestly say that that's something great that you're doing. And, you know, for people that want to get involved to the nonprofit, when you give away coats and also when you give away toys, how can we plug into that? How can we be, how can we be part of that? Well, first, um, they just address something you said before I give that information. I got a formal business education. 
So I actually have a master's degree in marketing and a doctorate in international business. And if you went to business school, you understand that if you do have a company, there's something called CSR, which is corporate social responsibility. And every company should be giving back because basically you're giving back on behalf of your um, stakeholders. Your stakeholders are your employees, um, people that you have partnership with, partnerships with and things of that nature. They hold a stake in the success of your company. Those people who hold a stake in the success of your company, especially the employees, you want to kind of give back to the communities where they're from, you know, and you and all companies should do that because you're enhancing the life of that surrounding community that supports you, you know, and um, that's why, you know, one of the main reasons besides having a good heart and want to do it, but it's also something that all companies should do. You should give back to the community you make money off of, you exactly. know, yeah, it's only right. And now how can you get involved? Um, just look out on at Bonfire ATL and that's where we announce everything. Usually we do the coat drive in November. We do the toy drive in December, but with the upcoming months, um, you know, we just renovated Union and we're about to open back up. And this is something that I'm probably going to be doing monthly. It's um a, just a concert series. We pick about 13 artists. They get to go on three different times. They get, you know, it's a four-hour, really like four to five-hour event. It's an hour, you know, pre-time. You get to mingle and network. And then the show is about three hours long. And each artist gets to perform one time each hour. You know, because a lot of artists perform and leave and stuff like that. So we try to make it to where at least to the last song, you're going to have every artist and every artist fan in the building. So you get maximum exposure. And, you know, um, the entry is either $10 or a coat, you know, and we donate all the coats to charity. And the same thing with the toys in December. So yeah, that's awesome. Terry, yo, that's big. And you know, uh, talking about your school and advice that you are giving us all, thank you for that. You know, a lot of people don't put us on game. You know, sometimes, you know, we are, there are selective few, we have mentors and we have people like pouring into us and, and small advice to help us grow. But you know, the majority we're out here grinding and we're learning as we go. So thank you for that bit of advice. And it's very true. You should be able to give and should want to give back to the community that you profit off of um and then to touch base on that coat drive that you have you know you're making shit pop for the artists they have a platform where they could go ahead and express themselves freely they don't get like a small segment they have equal timing um their fan base is able to chill out come out show out and support the artists um all around you're helping everyone around you and that's awesome you know and then the fact that you get to make it affordable for us common folk out here in the community i'm telling you <laughs> i'm a whole mom so i'm very frugal so if i come out and support you just know I'm, I'm out here for real supporting you so 10 bucks ain't nothing you know we spend 10 bucks on something else and it's either that or a coat why not you know why not come out and support so i want to thank you for that that's awesome yeah, I'm from Brooklyn, so, you know, I grew up poor, and I also was an artist, so I understand, you know, artists having to pay to perform, that was never made sense to me, but, you know, I have partners that have those kind of platforms, and it's actually beneficial, his platform, but just as a whole, when I do my events, 
I don't like to charge artists to perform. I'd rather charge the people who come in to see the artists and kind of like put the artists up on the game and show them how to monetize their art. You feel mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like, this is what you should be doing. I also tell the artists, like, you could be doing this. They'd be like, hey, how, suppose I open up for this person. And I'd be like, why don't you just book that person? You be the person putting on the show. Then you can open for them. Now you're making money and you're getting the notoriety. So, mm -hmm. you know, I, I really care about the people for real. Like, um, my mom's was poor growing up. So, and, mm -hmm. and then I got friends who, this music and this times that we live in got them to where they feel like they got to, like, show out, show off every time they go out. And then they wake up Monday morning and got to pay bills and can't pay bills because they went out and showed out and showed off. You know, and I just want to show them that, like, you can have a great time without having to impress people. Just go out to enjoy yourself. You don't have to spend $30 to park, then spend another $60 to get in, then spend another $100 to get in VIP. You ain't even bought a drink yet. <laughs> <laughs> and trust me, I understand that fully. So when I say I sit myself down at home and I just chill out at the crib because it's real. Like the culture has made it to the point where you got to ball out, flash out. And when it's really not that, you know, you have the most fun when you're around your friends, your family, you're at somebody's crib, you're, you know, y'all cooking, y'all drinking. So you're bringing that to us to be able to be in a safe zone where we could go ahead and not break the bank and also have a great time. And that's what's important. We need to teach our youth that you don't have to break the bank to have fun. Yeah, our events are 65% women because we um we we try to provide an environment where a woman can come and just be herself. She don't necessarily have to dress all up and wear the heels and the tight clothes. And we don't allow misogyny. You're not going to say nothing rude when she walks past. You're not going to grab her, group her. You don't get put out for that. So mm -hmm. women feel safe. We have a woman-friendly brand. And because of that, our main supporters are females. Like, we one of the only parties that's like 65% women on a regular basis. We're here. We're in Atlanta. We feel your presence. We feel that you care about us. Um, thank you for that. So, you know, just talking about the youth and pointers that you can give us, what key pointers can you give our youth that are actually trying to come on and, and do something like you? Or even if it's not like you, what advice do you have for our youth? My advice to the youth is um, take time to learn. Don't just jump out the gate, waste your money, trying to do events. Go chill with somebody like me. And I definitely will sit and talk to anybody. Go chill with somebody like me or go work under somebody. Let's try to really learn the ins and outs of what's going on and the different moving pieces. I was talking to somebody last night because, you know, I had a little issue with somebody who was trying to, like, steal my brand and mm -hmm. basically imitate and do what we do. And this guy said, I wonder if they knew when they was trying to do it how much goes into actually throwing this event. You know, we managing anywhere from 1,300 to 2,000 people every Sunday and we haven't had a fight ever. You know, just that alone, then managing parking on the streets where we don't have people breaking into cars and it's all trial and error. But then when you get to a new place that you've never been to before and you start putting these pieces into play, everybody know what they're supposed to do. All you gotta do is point to them where they gotta do that. Mm -hmm. That's it. And, you know, I give more credit to my team 
than I even do my partners, you know, because my partners, yeah, we go find the place and bring the equipment and get and hire everybody. But these people have been doing this for so long that they know their job. So as soon as they get there, once you point them to where their job is happening at, they start performing their duties. And that's Bonfire. Bonfire is the moving pieces, the 30-something vendors that we have that, you know, come every week and they, it's at least two to three of them each. So that's about 70 people. You have 30 employees that's running around from security to stage manager, to sound tech, the light tech, to all of these different moving pieces. That's what makes, so my advice is build your network. I had a friend that was incarcerated for like seven years, but before he went to jail, I had a cell phone and I had a hundred numbers in it. This is when Metro first came out. And he said, um, that's a lot of numbers. And I was like, yeah. I was like, but watch, this is going to be the way I make my money. And when he came home seven years later, he picked up my phone and it was about 4,000 numbers in the phone. And he was like, yo, you got 4,000 numbers? I said, I told you, that's how I was going to make my money. It's about who you know and what they know you for. Everybody throw names out, and I don't never do that. I don't. I, I hate that. I don't take pictures with money. I don't take pictures with guns. I don't throw names out. I don't do that kind of stuff. I'm really from like Brooklyn for real, and um, but all the names that I do got in my phone, I could call them and ask for favors, and they're gonna do it because I helped them back in the days. I know them from college or from doing other events with other people. And I'm, I stick to my word. You ask me for something, if I take the time to look at you and be like, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. Just not to be a liar. And believe it or not, 10, 11 years later, it worked out. Because when you make that same phone call back, or when somebody's sitting in a room and they mention your name, like, yo, I'm thinking about doing business with him, that person goes, yo, that's my man. That's a good dude. He never did me wrong. They be more on your side. Yo, make sure you take care of him. Don't be trying to do my man dirty. You know, that right there is is golden. Like, your reputation. And, you know, that's what I try to keep intact at all times. I'm very calculated. I grew up under, like, watching Jay-Z. That's the most calculated man you ever going to see. You don't never hear Jay-Z in no crazy scandals. You don't never hear him. He just started getting political once he got that money and he felt like he got enough money to where they can't tear him down. But on the way up, he wasn't making no political comments. He wasn't making no comments about race. He was staying, he was walking the line. Now he got those relationships built. He could go straight fool with it. Bell bailing out protesters out of jail, putting black kids in college, angel funding black businesses like, that's how I look up to. I don't care what people say about him, how they talk about him. That person, Jay-Z, he from where I'm from, like right, right up the block. And he was from the projects. I've grown in the house. So to watch him go from that to where he is now, and people don't know how much he really puts into his community, that's what I look up to, to get the money for a reason. There's a come a time when you get enough money $10 million, $5 million. You basically could live off of about five to, I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's $5,000 a month 
or or ten thousand dollars a month for like fifty years, something like that. Without having to, you only got to work no more. So to have a billion dollars, and you dedicate your time to trying to better your people. So you know, my advice, my my main advice to kids is take your time, learn. Um, get under somebody and really understand what you're doing and be yourself. Like, and make yourself happy. Don't do nothing because you're trying to impress nobody else. Don't do nothing to, because you, you think your mother wants you to do this or your father wants you to do this. I told my friend the other day, I said, before you make your child happy, your wife happy, anybody else in this whole world happy, got to make sure you happy because how can you possibly make somebody else happy if you're not happy i ain't gonna say be selfish but think before you make moves think about your happiness as well because that shit can lead to depression lead to all types of shit and then what happens your kids suffer your wife suffer all the people you was trying to make happy you actually put in the suffering stage because you didn't focus on yourself first that's my advice to kids. Well, I appreciate that, Terry. You know, it's very true. Like, a key point is staying true to who you are, getting to know yourself. And I think that's really big right now with everything that's going on around us. More and more people are seeing they're stuck at home, they're sitting at home, they're realizing, well, what do I like to do? Who am I? What do I enjoy doing? And, and you know, they, they start to reflect on who they really are. And I think that right now it's very important that we tune into that. We find out who we really are and what we like to do. So then we can genuinely be happy. So in turn, we can love others around us. We can't fully love others, like you mentioned, until you love yourself. It's, it's a in and out process. It starts within and it reflects out, you know? Um, and being genuine also is a key point nowadays, you know, um, with COVID, we're seeing less, less extravagant things going on. We're very uncut, very raw, very real nowadays, oh, yeah. um, you know, and it's very important that we're genuine. You know, I'm sorry to hear that somebody was trying to copycat you. I tell people all the time, you could steal the recipe, but the drip won't be the same. <laughs> okay so they could try to to pick up on what you're doing but if their heart's not in the right place they can't they can't even amount to what the first step that you have already passed a long time ago so i just want to commend you to keep doing what you're doing uh let the haters hate let the copycats try to copycat they will never amount to what you're doing because i can sense that your heart is in the right place um and you genuinely love the community out here so we appreciate you um, and it's very important that we're genuine to who we really are, you know? I appreciate you. Um, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's a hard, it's hard because, you know, the person that did it was a former employee and it was all out of malice. And, you know, when I first, when it first started going down, I was upset and I was going tit for tat and I sat down and it was like God spoke to me. He was like, yo, the best way to show your authenticity is to be who you are. And I'm not a confrontational person. I'm not even an angry person at all. So I stopped focusing on that negativity and stopped focusing on trying to make them, make people see that they were fake. 
And I just started being the real. I started talking to the community and letting them know that I'm not going to engage, letting them know we're going to take the higher ground, letting them know that we're just going to push forward and we're not going to, you know, feed into that anymore. And then I started focusing on the community for real. Like, how y'all doing out there? You know, we in horrible times, COVID-19, and we got, you know, civil unrest because of um, systemic racism and all of this different stuff that's going on. How are y'all doing? Check in, let me know you're okay. And if you're not okay, hit my DM and we can talk about it. I had like 600 okays. I had eight people on my DMs. I was sitting there counseling. I was going through hard stuff. And I feel like all eight of them got a positive word and was able to get some clarity. You feel what I'm saying? And that's what my, the brand is about. The brand ain't just about a party and making money on Sunday. It's a culturally connected brand that's about the culture, which is the people. See, a lot of people get this culture stuff messed up. They sit there and think the culture is um, skateboarding or you got to be an artist to be part of the culture or wear vintage clothes and all the characteristics. But I'm going to keep it real with you, and I don't care what nobody say because I'm an OG for real. The culture is hip-hop. That's what the culture is, everything that hip-hop encompasses. And hip-hop is, is, is multidimensional. Is hip-hop is, is politics, skateboarding, rapping, fashion, graffiti, all that stuff. But it's also inclusive. It's not black, white, Chinese, Spanish. Hip-hop was... was it, that's what brought us together. If people don't re remember, the first female rapper was white. Blondie, Step Into My World. KRS-One sampled her shit. You feel what I'm saying? Like, people don't get that, though. One of the pioneers for hip-hop was with Russell Simmons. His name was Rick Rubin. One of the first hip-hop groups was the Beastie Boys, along with LL Cool J and all of those pioneers back then so you know for people to sit there and just think hip-hop is like has this character has these certain characteristics that if you don't fit into you just not hip-hop is very hypocritical to me because literally hip-hop was created not only to give a voice to the disenfranchised but to also give that give them a voice so that those outside could relate and then participate and then through that participation, become one with that person and care about their struggles and try to help them change it. You know, that's why Blondie even made Step Into My World. If you listen to the lyrics, she was talking about what was going on in the hood. You know, he steals a car and a da 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 She was talking about all street stuff that she seen when she came to visit outside when Fab Five Freddy was, had the park going up when they was doing the DJing in the park. She came and saw it. And that made her want to go home and write a rap. Straight up. So, you know, I I I just want more people to care about the culture, which is these young people, which is the people, which is anybody 45 and under from where hip hop came from. Just because a person turned 40 don't mean they listen to R and B now. Yeah, you're right. And, you know, uh, that's something that I talk to a lot of my friends about, you know, 
right now where the world is being torn apart with race, it's very important that we find things to unite in music and art has always been one of those outlets that has united all types of people all around the world. Um, and hip hop is it. You don't have to look a certain way to feel what I feel when I hear the same vibes you're hearing, you know? And I think that's very important that now more than ever, we focus on loving each other, uh, pouring into each other, becoming united because it's very important. Um, it, it's very difficult, you know, even, even when you're, you know, interacting with other races, you know, sometimes it can be a, a situation where it's frowned upon, but everyone has to know not, not everybody hates others, you know, that is actually put into children. That's, you're not born with hate, you're born with love. Um, and it's our responsibility to love others and those that don't see that they have to love others because they don't look like them, help help them understand that we love them and they they should be expressing this too right now it's very important to love on each other um what are your takes you know on what we're going through i did notice that you were putting on your social media um a group a collective where we were talking about the injustice that we're seeing nowadays what what are your takes on that well i feel like i was always a cognitive individual so i was never able to be led anyway. I would actually like travel my own route and take my own path through just reading and learning and going out and talking to people. And I feel like the biggest problem we have right now is a lack of communication. You know, people don't communicate. A woman should never go to a woman about advice about a man. Bottom line, you want to get advice about a man, you go to a man and you know, you want to get advice about, you want to talk about how white people feel, talk to some white people. You know, you want to see how black people live and you white and you got a problem with how black people do certain things, ask them why. See, my wife is Caucasian and, you know, she has a Caucasian family. And her, her mother is not afraid to ask questions when she sees some shit that she don't understand. She's like, hey, why do you do this? Or, you know, I always wanted to know why black people do this. And, you know, for her being so bold, for a second, you step back like, what? But then when you realize she grew up in a town that hardly has any black people, she literally just don't know. And she's been told things that if unless I break those stereotypes and tell her the real or somebody like me, She's going to keep those stereotypes in her head, not even understanding the, the reality. So I love those conversations and I invite them now. Communication is the key. We got all these misconceptions. You look at these homeless people and be like, oh, he's a bum. He just didn't want to work. Then I hear this one guy say, I got injured and they didn't want to give me work as comp. I put the elevator in the biggest building in Atlanta, that gold building y'all see every day. I put that elevator in. Then I got hurt and they didn't want to pay me. That's why I'm homeless. Like, you know, you never know somebody's story unless you communicate. So I feel like rich people who benefit off of us fighting, who the trends in the stock market based off the civil unrest, or, you know, 
profiting off of drugs because people taking a virus think that think a virus is more serious than it is, or even even being able to control you. I think those people benefit off of us fighting and arguing and doing all this stuff, but they don't want to see anything else. Look at the people who really are marching Black Lives Matter. Usually poor black people. Look at the people who are outside racist and ah oh, nigger this, nigger that. Usually poor white people. They literally take the poor people and pit them against each other so they can mask what they doing. And so that they can maintain their wealth without you coming for it. Because you too busy worried about the BS. And it's sad. Um, is this this systemic racism? Yes, of course it is. Is it going to end anytime soon? Absolutely not. Why? Because we are the minority. Any place where you have a majority and a minority, naturally, the minority is going to get the shorter hand. But the people who run shit ain't going to let you get it. That's just how it is. How can you change it? The best way to change it it, the best way to beat the system is to become the system. Become the judge, become the lawyer, become the police officer, do all of that. Then you can literally police your own community. Then you can literally stop people from going to jail. One of the girls that hit me up and said she wasn't okay. She wasn't okay because of what was going on with society, with the coronavirus, and also with the civil unrest because of systemic racism. And she said, and I said, well, are you are you sad enough to go and talk to the families of those who got hurt from systemic racism or people who got killed and their family members? I said, are you angry enough to become a lawyer or to become a judge? I said, you know, are you are you smart enough to become the police officer? Like how upset are you? Because your emotions should fuel your actions. If I'm really, really hurt, maybe I should go out and try to change it. Maybe that's going to make me finish this four-year degree. Because every time I'm doing a paper, I'm pissed off. And I'm going to do this paper and get this A. Because i got to get to this next level because I'm still mad. And then when I'm walking across the stage, I'm even, I'm mad as I've ever been. Because it's time to use all this anger and this emotion and this education to influence change from the day I walk across the stage. So, you know, that's what I feel. If you hurt, go do something about it. If you want to see change. Besides that, communicate. This one black guy went into the Ku Klux Klan and had interviews and meetings with them until they started inviting him to his house. He realized there's a bunch of lonely-ass people with misconceptions. They started inviting him over to dinners and stuff like that, trying to name him their kids, Godfather, and all of that, to the point to where he changed, I think, if I'm not mistaken, over 220 people that he influenced to leave the clan because they realized from knowing him and meeting his family that all the perceptions that they had about black people were 100% wrong. That's how you change it. Mm -hmm. Anger 
mm-hmm. and going out and trying to do angry stuff is not going to change nothing. I wrote a rhyme one time. I was like, how you pressing your oppressor and think, it's re- and think they really care? <laughs> I think it's really weird that you think this shit is fair. But if you think at all, you should be prepared. It's weird to me that people think it's fair or it's going to be fair. Yeah, and like you mentioned, you got to communicate. You know, everything gets solved. Um, and I do see how to use your anger and your emotions to push you to cause change. You can't just sit there and say, I want change and not do anything about it. But also when it comes down to business, you have to be able to unplug emotionally and move and execute. Um, And it happens with communication. You know, I think that it's a very important thing that we learn how to communicate. Um, We are, uh, you know, our community is hurt, uh, the Hispanic and the black community, as well as the white community. You know, um, we've, like you mentioned, we are two poor groups going at it at each other when other people are just sitting back, crossing their arms and just watching us, um, we need to be able to communicate. We need to break stereotypes. And that happens with speaking to one another, not screaming at one another, not hating on one another. It ties back into healing, knowing yourself and loving others. And right now is the time for that, you know, and we're seeing a lot more people being engaged to protest, to go into school, um, to, to become, uh, whether it's, you know, representatives for their state, their county, um, and that's what we need. And, you know, and I mentioned to everyone, not everyone can do what you do, and not everybody can do what I do, but as long as we come together and unify and, and cause that change one step at a time, uh, we're giving progress to that change. That's what's going to get us far and that's what's going to change things. Um, but I agree with you. Communicating is very essential nowadays, uh, as it's always been. Um, but tension is high, and we need to break that down with loving each other, talking to each other. When I first met my wife, and I was going to meet her father for the first time, this was a big thing. Because daddy was supposed to be like an OG. And he... Um, nobody knew how he, what he was going to say, how he was going to take it. It's a black <laughs> guy. I'm six years older than her. At the time, she was like 20. I'm like 25, 26, about, or 25, about to turn 26. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, I hope I don't have to punch this dude in the face. Oh, and don't say face. that, Terry. No, you didn't. <laughs> well, she, I'm like, I'm like, daddy, I'm, get I'm, along. I'm, I'm hmm? a Brooklyn. And men is men. I don't care how old. I understand, Terry, but to be honest with you, it's like, you know, I'm I'm trying to get everyone to understand to break that stigma. Um, And there's nothing wrong with Hispanic on Hispanic love and black on black love and white on white love. But there are instances where, you know, interracial dating is a thing. You know, it's real and it's out here. You know, take my babies, for example. They're half Latino, half black. It happens, you know, and it's okay. There's no color on love. There's no race on love. So I can only imagine how this went down. And no, you didn't say you about to hit this man. No, I just wanted to make sure. I was like, man, I hope I don't have to punch this this man in the face. Then when I actually sat down to dinner with him, we talked. By the end of dinner, he was like, man, I like you. And then next week, it was like Christmas or something. He sent me like $50 in a box. 
because he's not like the best gifter, but he, you know, he'd give you anything that's from the heart. You feel what I'm saying? And yeah. then like, when we got married, he gave me a gun, <laughs> like straight I up. I know that's right. Oh, you part yeah. of the family now, Terry. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And from that moment, I try to just tell people like, yo, really it'd be about who you are and how you approach the situation. If I'd have went in there looking for him to say something or, you know, being extra, um, what you call it, sensitive and everything mm -hmm. he said and would have been like, yo, what you said, huh? Then mm -hmm. that ended the wrong way. I went mm -hmm. in there with an open mind wanting to see who this man was. Mm -hmm. And, you know, years later, I like him more than my wife like him. <laughs> oh. <laughs> It'd be like that, you know? But that's, yeah. that's a key point that you were talking about. We had to stop being so closed-minded. We have to be open-minded. We have to acknowledge that other races are human too. They have emotions too. And the fact that you went about it, even at a young age at 26, you know, you went at it maturely uh, to know this person as a person, not to see it as a confrontation, an opportunity to cause a confrontation, that's big. Um, you know, you, you put your feelings to the side so you could get to know this man. And guess what? Now you have a beautiful family. Um, I, I can honestly say you have a beautiful wife, a beautiful child. Um, I have seen um, some books in the works. I saw uh, your baby's book. Can you tell us about that? Well, it's crazy because that we talked about my um, father-in-law. Well, basically, my father-in-law is a very funny dude. And he used to tell a lot of stories to my wife when she was a child. Before she went to sleep, he'd just make up these elaborate stories to get her to go to sleep. But they actually was like well put together. And my wife said, I, she, one day, I, I don't know how it came up, but to the point to where we're going to make a book with his stories in them. And we're going to illustrate it and we're going to dedicate it to our daughter. My wife wanted to, you know, tell my daughter these stories, but not just leave it at that and make it all folklore that's just passed down through word of mouth. So we decided to do a book. Um, she wrote the book or wrote the, wrote the stories down. And then I went and um, secured illustration from this guy named Phoenix Nebula. I actually met him at my bar before I owned it. When we used to go there and just hang out. He was in there doing art and he was like his art was really really detailed and really nice it costs us some money and it costs us some time but you know the finished product is worth it it's, it's really well illustrated the story is really good story he even put my daughter in the book you know mm -hmm. as like one of the characters not necessarily like one of the main characters she's mm -hmm. just like it makes an appearance in every book that you and your wife were so loving enough to actually make this into a book and make it for everyone to be part of that. That's great. You know, we feel like family. <laughs> for um, our followers and our listeners that want to purchase this book, where can we find it? Where can we go to get it? Well, it's on Amazon. Um, we're working on formatting it for paperback. But right now, mm -hmm. you can go to Amazon Kindle and you can find it. It's called Gabriel's Tall Tales. It's on Amazon for Kindle. And you can go get it and, you know, read it with your family. But uh, besides that shout out, do you have any other shout outs that you want to make? I want to shout out my partners. I mean, King Fresh. He owns Crown Me LLC. If you ever seen that hat with the crown with the me under it, that's him. A lot of people mm -hmm. walk around the city wearing it. He's doing really good. Um, 
Flex, my other partner from Pop ATL. They do Atlanta Indie Bar once a month. And they also own a um, merchandising company. They print T-shirts, cups, hats, all that kind of stuff. Then my other partner, Michi. Michi is, um, he do everything. I can't even tell you. And Michi got 15 different things every day that he's doing. But he's making it work. But, um, you know, those are my like my brothers. We've been doing this bonfire thing together. And I guess facing adversity bring you closer to people. Mm-hmm. And we faced a lot of adversity, moving around, people sabotaging, trying to, you know, get us shut down, the city not understanding what we are. And through all of that, we really fought. Um, and, you know, we still around. Shout out to my wife and my daughter always um, for providing sanity after all the craziness. I could come home and vent and then, you know, barbecue and hang out with my family. Um, and my moms, you know, that's like my important circle of people. And my little cousin, he's like my brother, you know, my moms, my moms helped raise him. But yo, those are my most important people. My moms is my backbone. She's probably my best friend. You're rock. Yeah, I get to call my mother and talk to her about everything, except for my wife. I don't believe in that. Um, you don't want your mother hating your wife and then y'all fix everything. <laughs> your mother's still mad at her. And, you know, mm-hmm. so we, we talk about everything but what I got going on in my house. And, you know, she provide me some kind of clarity or just the peace and maternity of knowing that I'm talking to my moms and, you know, you feel more comfortable talking to that voice you heard your entire life, you know. Mm-hmm. And then my little cousin for just being my protector. He ready to go. <laughs> we all got one of them, Terry. We all got oh, yeah. one of them. I got two brothers, and, and you know, I grew up a tomboy, but and I love my mama to death. So I want to shout out moms all around, you know, especially your mom. Uh, she definitely raised a strong, a very sound, level headed, successful young man. Um, and I know it takes work on your behalf too, but she definitely poured into you to make you a great man that you are. Um, you're a great person, Terry. Um, I appreciate you. Yeah. I doing that to my mother because, like I tell people, I'm from Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn, and you know how rough and hard it is. I've never heard my mother curse. Oh, wow. Really? That's nice. Like, straight up. She's very poor. So, you know, just having somebody like that, people got to understand where my compassion and my, 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 my poise come from. Thank you, Terry. I really appreciate you. I just appreciate the fact that you took time aside to sit down and talk to me. Um, I'll go ahead and put all your social media handles with this um, video. I want to thank you for your time. Thank you and your family for blessing us with this book. I appreciate you. I just want to let you know I might be busy a lot. Like I'm always busy, but I see you. I'm seeing everything you do all the community efforts you do, all of working with the different um, businesses, especially like I met you, you were over there in East Atlanta. Zone six, me. you already know. <laughs> yeah, you know, so, you know, I, I we, we appreciate that and your energy, definitely appreciate your energy. We need more people like you. That's like you always trying to stay positive and do positive things and make a contribution a positive contribution to society. And you know, in the Spanish community, there's a saying, tell me who you're with and I'll tell you who you are. Meaning you have to surround yourself yeah. with like-minded individuals. 
got a peak game. And like you said, sometimes it, it might be that time where you need to shed those circles, head back into a positive direction in an elevated state and get into another group. And I'm not saying burn bridges. I'm just saying, you know, it's okay to have different circles and know when to interact with some, but always keep that tight circle around you that's positive, motivational, and always looking to do something greater. Yeah. Thank you, Terry. You have a great evening. You as well.